Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. Uh, again, I want to thank you for joining us here at Life Fellowship. And uh, I have some good news and some kind of sad news. Uh, well, it's all good news, I guess. Actually, uh, we'll be closing out this series today, and I'm kind of sad about that because I think that this has been a great series. Uh, I love the book of James, how he challenges believers to grow in their relationship and, and become more mature. And so, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm kind of sad that this series is ending, and I, I hope that you've been challenged as I have to press into God and, and yield to Him, open up your hearts, and let Him do this transformation process that He wants to do in our hearts and lives to bring us into a more uh, intimate, personal relationship with Him and helping us to grow and become more mature believers. This series has been called Live It, and it, what it really means is let's take all of God's Word, apply it to our lives, and live out what we say we believe as Christians. And, and we should be doing that anyway. Uh, so, let's. Uh, this morning's topic is. We'll, I'll be talking about prayer and restoration. And again, whenever, whenever we're teaching on Sunday mornings, whenever uh, we're in life groups, uh, whatever we do, the heart and the purpose of life fellowship, the mantle that God has given us, is that we become committed followers of Christ, and that because of our relationship with Him that we go out and, and lead others. And so uh, into this, this same intimate personal relationship with the Lord and that we become spiritually mature and able to do that. So this is really a training and a preparing and equipping and, and uh, a releasing ministry to prepare us for the coming days ahead so that we can walk and live in victory, but also that we can train and equip and help others to fulfill their calling, God's calling on their life, and uh, grow in their relationship with Him. It's through uh, the Holy Spirit that we have the victory in life, and, and that the Holy Spirit has come to lead us and guide us into all truth. The core scripture for this series is, is a scripture that, that I encourage all of us to memorize, because as we go through life and we go through challenges, it's a great reminder of what James says in one twenty two, don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. And so there are times in my life when I'm like, okay, this is what God's word says. And I know I'm not only to listen to God's word, but I'm to live this thing out. I'm to do what God's word tells me to do. And that may save us some problems and help us stay out of trouble a little bit more if we follow the template and the plan that God has for our life. If, we, if we're saying, okay, this is what the Word says. This is what I heard on Sunday morning. This is what I read in my daily devotional today. I need to live this thing out. I need to do what it says. So I encourage you to memorize James 1.22. The key scriptures for today's teachings will be found in James 5.13-20. through 20. And then we're going to look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. James 5, 13 says, Are any of you suffering hardships? What is, what is the first thing that we do 
many of us do when we face hardships. We jump into problem-solving mode. And uh, uh, some, some people turn to worldly solutions, alcohol, drugs, uh, maybe immerse themselves in their job and, and spend, you know, 80, 90 hours a week at work because they don't want to deal with some things. Or maybe they find release or comfort through a coworker, And that's how problems can start in marriages. But James 5.13 says, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. That should be our first line of defense is to pray and say, Lord God, what are you showing me through this situation? How are you seeing this? What can I do? And I want to put a plug in for our prayer time. Every Wednesday uh, from 10 to 11, we, we pray at the property and we pray for these items. I think it's going to be up on the screen here. I just want to go through these. Uh, we, we take time to pray for our personal needs. We take a couple of, a few seconds and we say, Lord God, what are you wanting me to receive from you today? Are, are we going to, uh, Noe, are we going to have all these uh, prayer lists up? Okay. Oh, there they are. Okay. Uh, so we pray for our personal read, needs and ask the Lord what else he desires us to pray for as we're spending time for 45 minutes or an hour there on the property. Then we pray for the principalities to be broken and subdued over our communities. The word says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness in the heavenlies. And so there's a spiritual warfare, there's a spiritual battle going on around us. And so every, every week we pray for this property. We pray that the Lord will protect and uh, hinder anything that the enemy would try to do in any of our locations or any of our lives. We pray over the property uh, that we have uh, over our communities. We pray for people in our communities to, to get saved, healed, delivered, set free, and pray for protection of uh, our children and teachers and administrators in the schools and, and in our communities. We pray for our governmental officials, national, state, local, regional, we pray for the military. We pray for the first responders. We pray for the portal of heaven to be opened over our land and over Kima Gardens and for a Jesus revival to take place. That Jesus would pour out upon our communities in such a way that many people that are lost and hurting and wounded would come into this relationship with him and get saved. We pray for uh, Life Fellowship to increase in people, resources, and, and influence in our communities that we get trained and equipped, and then we go out into the communities and make a difference because God is working through our hearts and our lives. We pray for the services here. We pray for the life groups and for the events to draw everyone closer to God. That is our target, that we come into a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And so every time we meet, it's our desire that we all grow in our relationship with him and, and, and grow closer to him. We pray for God's protection, wisdom, and guidance for the body for us as a church. We pray for uh, the pastors and leaders that we all be in unity with the Lord and moving forward in the same direction with one another. We pray for the life fellowship families in the areas of health, marriages, children, employment. We pray for the self-owned businesses and other needs. We pray for wisdom and direction and finances for the favor and the, uh, that the Lord will bring the co correct contractors for our building project. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
And then we take time and say, is there anybody here that feels impressed that you, you have something that you want to share with us from the Lord? And so we meet every Wednesday from 10 to about 11 at the property, unless it's raining or in inclement weather. So I encourage you to join us if you can. Um, we, we printed out uh, a few of these prayer lists, and Steve is going to hand those out if you want one when you leave. So if you can't join us in person, you can pray. Maybe you can take your break a little early or your lunch a little early and, and spend time praying with us through these things that we're, we're praying for and we're believing God to do. And, and you can then certainly pray for those throughout the week as well. So feel free to take one of those on the way out if you like. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Always be joyful. And how are we always going to be joyful? That, that's going to take the Lord because we all deal with situations and circumstances where we need joy. And so we need this relationship and we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us because it's impossible to always be full of joy without the Lord. And then verse 17 says, never stop praying. Pray, pray, pray. In all things, pray. When you have hardships, pray. When you're rejoicing, thank God. Spend time thanking the Lord, praying. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And we know that Paul, he, he was content when he had abundance, when he, when he had lack. He was content because his contentment was not found in his situation or circumstances. His joy and contentment was found in the Lord because he is the one constant. Everything else is going, going to change and be changing around us, but God is a constant. And so Paul is saying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you to, who belong to Christ, to be thankful. When we, do we ever stop and think about the many blessings that we have in our lives, the fact that we have a building to meet in, the fact that we can gather together uh, as a body of Christ and, and worship him and spend time in the word? You know, that's a great privilege that a lot of people across the world do not have. And so are we thankful that we have breath in our lungs? Are we thankful for all the things that God has blessed us with? Um, last week I taught on riches, patience, and endurance. And we looked at 1 Timothy 6, 6. And uh, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Because if we're always looking for more, if we're always wanting bigger, better, faster, you know, whatever, are we ever going to find contentment? And can we find contentment with just the simple things in life? Giving one another a big hug. Having these relationships that we have where we truly love one another, where we truly care about one another. Wow, what a blessing that is. That we have these authentic relationships with one another. Look at, look at the blessings that we experience just by the simple fact that we live in this wonderful nation that we live in. We're so blessed, so tremendously blessed. Can we be content? Is it possible? You know, the, the ads on TV and Facebook and every, every place else would say that we shouldn't be content. We need a new car. We need a bigger home. We need a, a better looking body. 
we need, you know, whatever it may be. And so there's this drive for us to never really be content with what we have, but always be looking for something else. Let's go back to verse 17, never stop praying. These three words are an entire sermon series probably on their own. But we need to to be prayerful. We need to be people of prayer because we need guidance and leading from the Holy Spirit. And as the Lord gave us a word in May of this year, prepare. I'm not sure what all that means, but we need to be prepared. We need to say, Lord, help me prepare. Help me to help prepare our family. Lord God, let us be prepared as a church, Life Fellowship Ministries International. Let us be prepared for the things that are coming. And uh, so let me read on in, in James 5, 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Whenever we come here, part, part of the worship is that we're giving our praise and thanks and adoration to God for what he's done. Praise helps us to focus on the Lord. Praise takes our focus off of us and redirects us to the Lord. And I've shared with you many times that when I'm having a bad day, when I'm under spiritual attack, man, I just begin to praise and worship the Lord, even though I may not feel like it, I may not want to, but there's something that breaks. And there's something that breaks in the spiritual realm when we begin to praise and worship God. And that's why I hope that all of you will come on uh, New Year's Eve. Because we're setting the tone, we're setting the atmosphere and the environment for our lives as we begin to worship God and praise Him, and then we bring in the new year with prayer. What a wonderful thing that we can do that, that we can say, Lord God, I want to start off this year dedicating this time to you, and that I'm spending time with my brothers and sisters, and and that, that we're spending some time in worship, and that we're bringing in this new year with prayer. Listen, we all need it. (laughs) We all know that this country needs it. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be praying for this nation. But we need need to be praying for us too. Because we are are supposed to be the light for this this world. And if if the light is, is dim, if there is no light, how are we making a difference, a godly difference? And so we need to be praying for this nation. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for God to help us. Praise and worship is much more about engagement with our heart and less about the music or the style of the music or the song. It's a, it's a matter of the heart. And you may say, well, I don't really care for the contemporary worship. Well, I, or I want to sing hymns or whatever. You know, it's not about the style of the music. It's about engagement with our heart. And we should be able to engage in, in worship regardless of the style, the genre, the, the quality of music, it's not about that. It's about our heart, engaging with Him. And there's power. There's power in our lives. When we turn our hearts over to God and when we yield to Him and allow Him to work through our lives, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in, in the Holy Spirit. gives us power to live the abundant life and to make a difference. And we need to be comfortable with the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit because I believe there's coming a time when we're not going to be able to necessarily see everything going on around us and we're going to need some direction from the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, I think we need that now. We don't need to wait for that to come. I think that's already come. James 5, 13 again. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Verse 14. Are, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And we do this. When people are sick, we pray for them. We anoint them with oil. Healing doesn't come from some special oil. Healing comes as a result of the Lord bringing healing into our lives. And healing is not always just physical. It can be spiritual, mental, emotional. Because we, we can be physically well and mentally sick. We can be spiritually dead. The Lord may use doctors and nurses in medicine, but he can also bring supernatural healing. And so we pray. We pray for people to be healed that are sick. And many times we've seen people get supernaturally healed. Sometimes not. Sometimes it's through doctors or medicine or, or other avenues. But we're praying. When we pray for somebody to get healed, we need to be praying as if we're praying for ourselves. And, you know, the Word says that we have the authority to come boldly to the throne of grace. And sometimes we just need to come boldly. Lord God, I'm coming to you right now. I pray for healing in their lives. Lord God, I pray for help from you today because I need some help. And God is willing and able. He's there. Now, he may not always answer our prayers like we want it answered, but we can go and present our petitions with thanksgiving. The word says, bring your petitions to God with thanksgiving. And so we, we say, Lord, I thank you that, one, for this life, I thank you that I have access to your throne of grace. And now I'm asking you, Lord God, I'm praying with expectation because your word says that you can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. And Lord God, sometimes I don't even know what to pray, so I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going to pray in my prayer language. And I'm going to ask you, from my spirit man, I'm going to pray to you from my spirit man because my logical mind doesn't even really know how to pray. Jude 20 says that we need to pray in the spirit because we're built up. So if you don't have a prayer language, ask the Lord to give you a prayer language. But pray. Pray with expectation. Pray in faith, knowing that God is able. We sang about it today. God, you're able. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or think. James 5, 15, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So our Heavenly Father can heal us physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And I believe that uh, God's heart is broken when people reject him and reject the healing that he wants to bring to broken lives. And we've probably all seen that, where there are people that are broken and wounded and hurting. And we say, look, look, here's, here's the solution. His name is Jesus. Well, I don't want Jesus. I don't want that. You know, I want this. I, I'd rather hang on to these other things. And, and you know, that, that keeps us in this perpetual state of brokenness and woundedness if we continue doing the same thing we've always done. We keep, keep getting the same results we've always gotten. But Jesus can break those chains. It doesn't matter if there are generational curses. It doesn't matter if there are addictive behaviors. It doesn't matter. Jesus came to fix our broken lives. And, but we have the opportunity to yield to him and to receive him or not. 
There are churches and Christians that don't believe or teach the Bible. There are, there are churches or, or Christians that don't believe that God heals today. So what happens if somebody gets sick? Oh, you're going to die. Sorry. I mean, come on. God, we have the authority to pray. Jesus healed people. Jesus said, you'll be able to do these things and more. So, but, but it takes faith. We have to believe. We have to believe God. And then sometimes we have to step out, our, out of our comfort zone and say, hey, look, do you, do you believe Jesus can heal you? Yeah, I do. Well, let me pray for you. And then pray for him. Pray for him. Like you would want them to pray for you if you were in that same situation. So this letter from James should help us to understand the truth that we can pray for people and expect God to do something. 2 Timothy is a letter of encouragement from Paul. And he, he says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. And last week in, in chapter 5, we talked about a little bit where people can depend on, on their money or their resources or their company or whatever. Our dependence should be upon the Lord, not on those things. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 2 continues, They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Many people don't consider anything sacred. They, they don't consider life sacred. Oh, it's, it's not really a child. It's just a, uh, some tissue. No, that, that's, that's, that's a human being. That's a person in there. Do we, do we honor and respect this, the sanctity of life? Think about how, how many murders there are, how many senseless murders there are just in our nation. I mean, well, just look at our, in Houston. There's probably a murder or two every day. And many of those are, murders are senseless. Uh, there's the, uh, the attempt to redefine marriage. And the world is turning further and further away from the Lord. Five years ago, I taught on the book of James. We went through the book of James like we've done in this series. And transgenderism was not even on my radar five years ago. How far will we have digressed in another two, three, five years? If you look at, at, at how quickly things are deteriorating, if you look at how quickly people are turning away from God, if you look at how quickly churches are are compromising, Christians are compromising, and not every church, not every Christian, but a lot of people are. I mean, you can find a church that will teach any ungodly thing you want to believe. But if, I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, if the Bible says it's sin, there's no debate, it's sin. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. And so are we not only hearing and reading and receiving God's Word, but are we doing God's Word? Are we applying God's Word to our life? Or do we have a double standard? Well, that applies to you, but not to me, because I'm different. I'm special. Well, you don't understand my circumstance. Timothy, continuing to talk about people in the last days, he says in 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. So as 
as believers, we should be loving. We should not be unloving. We should be forgiving. We should not be unforgiving. We should not be slandering others. We should exercise self-control. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oops, there's one more. Self-control. Are we exercising self-control? And I think it takes the Lord working in our lives for us to live this victorious life, for us to exercise self-control. He continues here, they will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And we know people, and, and even Jesus dealt with this, the religious leaders, they were more uh, intent on honoring religion than this relationship with God. They would, Jesus would get on to them and he'd say, you're hindering people from coming to the Lord. You're supposed to be leading people. You're supposed to be exampling to people as the priest. And you're causing more hardships from the people. You're causing, causing it harder for people to come into this res- relationship with the Lord because you don't have one either. Verse 5 says, they will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. And he says, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. It doesn't mean that, that we can't try to help them, but don't get sucked into that vortex where, where it's a fake Christianity. That's the antithesis of live it. Live it says, hey, we're going to go out and live an authentic life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we're washed in the blood. We're yielding to the Lord. We're allowing him access into our hearts and lives. And we're going to continue to allow the the Lord to do this work in our hearts and lives. They will act religious but deny the power that could make them godly. What is the power that makes us godly? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, It's living a life of faith. It's believing God's word. Those are the basic fundamental things that we should be doing as Christians But are we rejecting the Holy Spirit? Are we rejecting the power that we need to help us? Because if we could do it on our own, we wouldn't need the Lord. We wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. There are are churches and Christians that don't believe in or teach about the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as our helper. Why would we reject him? They will act religious but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Why would the body of Christ reject this wonderful person of God? James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We cannot forgive sins, but we can pray with one another. God can can and will forgive our sins, but it says confess your sins to one another. Do you ever need to just talk to somebody and vent? Maybe you have some struggles or some challenges. Is there somebody that you can talk to and say, look, man, can you pray with me? Can you stand with me? I'm really struggling in this area or whatever. That's why the body of Christ is so vitally important, that we need one another. We need one another, and we need to have these authentic relationships 
like so many of us have here in this, in this room today, that we can be honest and, and share with one another, not judging and condemning, because we need to be careful that we don't judge somebody lest we fall into the same trap, the same mess that they're in. But we can, we can come together and we can fellowship together, and certainly we can ask the Lord because he forgives sins. We can have this transparent, authentic relationship with him and with one another, sharing our struggles and our challenges. The Lord provides us the opportunities to invest into the lives of others. And, and that certainly is your family, your children, your grandchildren, but it's, it can also be our neighbors, the people that we come in contact with. God will open up doors at HEB, Home Depot, at the gas station. Are we looking for the opportunities to be a light? So he gives us opportunities to invest into the lives of others. We never know that that one prayer we prayed with somebody at Bucky's may have been a life-changing event for them. To give, God, uh, to give godly, biblical, solid wisdom and advice to others. Do we love one another enough to be honest with one another? Do we have a relationship with one another where we, we can be honest with one another? The life groups are enriching, engaging, and relationship building. And we'll be starting the life groups again after the first of the year. There are some people that will just listen. They're growing. There's some people that will share. But life groups are, are developed to be relational, that we build our relationship with the Lord and one another. And so we'll be uh, launching those again in January. Make plans to join one, maybe two of them. Uh, there's a dynamic that takes place when we fellowship together. And that's why coming together on Sunday morning is so important. And if you're just staying at home watching online, you need to come on in. Yeah, there you go. Come on down. All right. So James 5, 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Honest, heartfelt prayers from a person that is connected to the Lord has great power. And God produces wonderful results. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. How are we made righteous? We're made righteous by the blood of Christ. Not by our own efforts, but because of what he has done for us and through us. But God wants us to live a powerful life. God wants us to... to uh, follow his leading, and then do what he asks us to do. We get to be a part of this awesome thing that God is doing. He could do it on his own. He doesn't need us. But, but think of the opportunities that we have. Well, think of how wonderful it is when, when we get to pray for someone, and then we see the answered prayer. Maybe for healing physical healing, maybe for someone to come into a relationship with Jesus, maybe someone to get a, a job or, or whatever that may look like. We get to be a part of that because we're coming to the Lord and we're saying, Lord God, we're lifting up the situation to you. And we're made righteous by the blood of Christ that washes over us. 
And so we have full access to your throne of grace. And I'm lifting up my friend. I'm lifting up my brother or my sister or my family member, Lord God, because I care about them. And I know you care about them because you care about me and you love people. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to do something in their life. But we have to, we all have to yield. I mean, if, if someone has a broken, messed up life, maybe they need some changes, and maybe they need to yield to the Lord. It's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity that we all have. Are we going to yield to him or not? But we get to be a part of this awesome thing that the Lord is doing, and I don't think that we fully understand what takes place when we go out and pray on Wednesday, and we're praying for the principalities and powers over these communities to be broken and hindered that are trying to hinder the work of the Lord. I don't think we fully understand how powerful that is. The, the word says that one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. What if three of us are praying in unity, in one accord, and praying in accordance with God's will? What if four of us are praying? Five, six. I mean, we, we could be seeing a, a million-fold impact because we're coming together and we're praying and we're seeking God and we're saying, God, we know this is your will, that you, you came to set people free. So the people in my community, the people in this area, Lord God, we pray that you set them free. James 5, 17, Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a righteous man. He had a right relationship with God. And I believe that he was clearly hearing from the Lord when he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. He didn't just pull that out of the air and say, well, I'm just going to pray. I believe he was seeking God. He had this relationship where he heard from the Lord, the same relationship that we can have. But it requires us to maybe get, get alone with him, spend some quiet time, turn off all the noise, and be intentional in seeking him. When, when we're operating in the will and desire of God, he can and will do miraculous feats in our midst. We've seen it happen. We've seen miracles happen. I believe our Father is looking for those in which he can pour out his anointing and power through us to demonstrate his love and greatness because his desire is that people will come into this relationship with him. But some people need to, to see miracles, I guess. But more importantly, think about when you have a miracle or something happens in your life, it can change your life. It certainly can change your perspective. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly, that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. God is powerful. He created the universe. You are powerful through the power of God working through your life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, God saved you by his grace when you believed, not when you got your life together. We're saved when we believe that Jesus died for our sins and we have received his free gift of salvation. Understanding that the blood of Jesus is, is the ransom that he paid for all of our sins is the beginning where we come to this understanding of realizing 
that he did this for us. The death of Jesus on the cross was a completed work on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. It's completed. Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So we know that we can't be good enough to earn his salvation. Uh, we can't be bad enough to be disqualified. Somebody ought to say amen to that. <laughs> salvation is not based on our behavior. It is not performance-based. It is grace-based. And not only do we need to understand that and hear this maybe today, but there are people in the world that, that need to hear this. They think, well, I can never be good enough to be a Christian. Well, guess what? I can't either. But you know what? It's a matter of receiving what Christ has done, believing and accepting him into my heart and life. And there are people, I can almost guarantee you, that just need to know that simple message that, listen, it's not about performing it's about receiving this, this grace. Jesus did it all. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You just have to receive what he's already done. And then if you will allow him access into your life, he will begin this transformation process that will change your life. You don't have to change your life because if you, if you could have changed your life, you would have done it by now. But as we yield to him, he will do this work in our hearts and lives. Verse uh, 9 says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, because we would. Oh, look how good I am. No, 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 I'm better than you are. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. He's created us new in ourselves. No, he's created us new through in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You were created for greatness. You were created to fulfill the purpose and the plan that God outlined for your life. Who knows when, but now you're here. Are you fulfilling the role? Are you fulfilling the greatness that God has for you, that he planned for you? God wants to do great things through your life. And James just reminded us about doing miracles, talking about Elijah. The key to God moving powerfully is found in this relationship with Jesus. In the next verses, James closes out with something that I, I would say is controversial in the body of Christ today. Most of us have been taught that we can't lose our salvation, and I believe that's correct. But do we have a choice in receiving Christ and being in a relationship with him? I think we do. I mean, you know, I don't think God forces us. We're not robots. We choose to accept him into our life. James 5.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, okay, if someone wanders from the truth and is brought back, that would indicate that it can happen. And I think he's talking about people that have accepted Christ. What does wandering from the truth mean? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So I think this is talking about people that wander away from the truth and is, and is brought back. So to me, this indicates that someone can walk away from the faith, but can also, also be brought back. James 5.20, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So... I know of a pastor 
that only taught from the Old Testament. And uh, we know that the Bible is centered around Jesus in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And he never taught about Jesus. And later, he was at a fairly uh, influential large church in Corpus Christi. And sometime later, he renounced his faith in Christ. Now, could he do that? Well, he did do that. And some people may say, well, he was never really saved. I don't know. But according to what James is saying here, we can walk away from the truth. And it says, whoever brings the sinner back from death will bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So did, did this person lose his salvation? Or did he give it away? There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus. Let me say it this way. I can, I can lose my car keys, or I can choose to throw them in the trash or throw them in a dumpster or something, right? Those are two different things. If I lost my keys, that's one thing. If I deliberately threw them away, it's another thing. I don't believe that we, let me be clear, I don't believe that we can lose our salvation. I don't believe that... Uh, uh, we can do something to cause God to stop loving us. But can we renounce our faith? I think we can. Because we're not robots. God has given us a will and a free choice. And so are we, are we making that decision? We're not saving ourselves. We can't work to earn our salvation. But we can receive it. I do believe that we can give it away. I think that God has given us the ability to make decisions and make choices. James 5.19, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever, that could be you, maybe you know somebody that's backslid, that's walked away from the Lord, it's turned away from the faith. You can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. The, the forgiveness of many sins is when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord God, I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Don't reject Jesus and you won't have to worry about it. <laughs> you know, just don't go there and you don't have to worry about it. God's desire is that everyone would be saved. He desires that everyone have this personal, intimate relationship with him. And, you know, that's not found through religion. It's found through relationship. And I think that's why maybe some people walk away from the Lord because they're trying to find something through this religion and these do's and don'ts and all these rules and regulations. And finally, he's like, I can't take it anymore. I can't do it. I can't perform 100% all the time. I'm done. And what Jesus says, it's not about that. It's about a relationship. And if you will yield to me, I'll take care of all that stuff. I'll do the work in your heart and life. You just need me. And that is what we need to understand. And that's what a lost and dying world needs to understand that it's God's grace that we're saved by His grace and having faith and believing it's not by our works because none of us would ever be able to accomplish that on our own. 
God desires a personal, intimate, real, and honest relationship with us. Can we just be real with him? Can we come to the throne of grace and say, God, I'm really struggling. I need some help with this. Can we go to, do we have people in our lives that will hold us accountable? And say, man, brother, will you pray with me? You know, I struggle in this area, or I have challenges with this, or I'm going through that, or I need prayer. I'm not sure what to do about my job. I, I hate my job, but I feel like God wants me there, and maybe he's using that situation to help me grow and extract some stuff out of my life, but it's hard. I need somebody to stand with me, encourage me, and pray with me. And that's what we get to do. Because God loves us, and we should love others like that. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, that's me. Maybe you never had a relationship with the Lord, or maybe you did at one point in time, and, and you've wandered away, and you're saying, today, I want a new start. I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Just catch my eye. Anybody here today? There's no shame in that. We have all been there. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Listen, this is a safe place. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about your life. We're talking about getting rid of some of that old stuff. Man, there's freedom. <laughs> there's liberty in that. Anybody else? I'd like for you to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online, you may be saying, man, that's me. I need this. I can't do it on my own. Just pray this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. And I thank you that you do that, that you wash all my sins away. And that this is a new beginning for me. This is a fresh start for me. All that old stuff is gone. And the, the slate is wiped clean. And I thank you for this fresh start and new beginning. And I ask that you help me to live this thing out. Because it's, it's not by my might or my strength, but it's by your might. It's by your strength. It's by your power that I'm able to walk away from those things, that I'm able to have my life turned around. So I yield to you. Help me to yield every area of my heart and my life to you. And I thank you, and I receive you to now. I, I receive you now, Jesus. I receive you today, and I thank you for it. I want to pray one more prayer for you. Lord God, I pray for the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to wash over them. I pray that their sensitivity to your Holy Spirit would just exponentially increase and that they would hear your small, still voice speaking to their hearts. But not only would they hear but they would choose to obey. As they read your word, that it would come alive. As they spend time in prayer, they would hear that small, still voice speaking to their hearts. And as they yield to you, you would do this beautiful, wonderful, magnificent transformation in their heart and their life because it's all about this relationship with you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you for those that received you today. They've said, I'm making a change. 
and the changes that I've accepted Christ into my heart and life and that I'm yielding to him. And now he's going to make the changes. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name.